0: Hello, Ben. Let's try and guess this frog. Not going
1: to lie, I forgot I forgot that this episode was going to start with a frog. call that caught me completely off, <laughs> off guard.
0: Spinning out.
1: I mean, I'm feeling like there's a lot of them. I'm feeling like this is an explosive breeder, so that narrows it down to like 50% of all frogs, and this is good.
0: I can give you a clue. So um, we're focusing yeah. on... A species which is found off the coasts of Greece so I picked something which is native to Greece
1: oh gosh I reckon it's going to be some sort of oh gosh got a frog in my mind, but I can't remember its name. (laughs) Uh,
0: Well, describe it to me and I'll tell you if you're getting uh, in the right ballpark. What's the one that we have in the...
1: Natterjack Toad. That's what I was thinking. Uh, It's a good guess. It's a good guess. Because I'm thinking something that can handle sort of weird pond sort of areas near coasts and things, but it doesn't feel very toad to me. But that's going to have to be my guess because I can't think of anything better.
0: Well, in some ways it's the opposite of a toad because it's a frog. Although... Right. I don't think toads and frogs are really opposite, but it's actually a frog. No, they're definitely not. They're (laughs) like best friends. Yeah, quite similar. It's actually Europe's loudest frog. That's one of the things it's famous for. It's found all over Europe, except for it's extinct in the UK. We exterminated them. Rana Rana. Close. Well, not that close, but not that far away. We haven't exterminated (laughs) Rana Rana, have we? They're still kicking about. i don't know i wouldn't No, that's rana temporaria (laughs) i don't even know what rana rana is there even a rana rana i don't know oh there's got to be a rana rana you'd think so but anyway yeah this is a species extinct in the uk it is in fact hyla arborea the common or european tree frog oh yeah excellent yeah nice little frog and are they explosive breeders Are they explosive breeders? I don't know.
1: You always ask me this, so I expect you to be prepared (laughs) for the same question.
0: (laughs) Mm. Yeah, I think so. It looks like it. Excellent. Yeah. I think so. That's probably when they're exceptionally loud, then. Yeah, well, because I think, you know, there's like strong seasonality. So, yeah, it sounds like they. They breed in April and May. So yeah, I would imagine they're explosive breeders. It's probably rainy days. They're all like,
1: yeah, let's go.
0: But yeah, like I say, they were native to the UK. We exterminated them. We shouldn't have drained the swamps, but we did. So yeah, the lack of wetlands. Was it a human thing getting rid of them then? That's the theory is it was like last few hundred years. Yeah.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay.
0: I did not know that. because I don't know. It's one of those ones where there's like a little bit of um, ambiguity and different people seem to have different ideas like... But yeah, I think the current consensus is that they were native here. They went extinct at some point. Like it could have, I guess, been the glaciation and stuff making it too cold or whatever. But
1: well, we certainly did get a- rid of a lot of like old growth foresty sort of places that I would imagine being a tree frog probably kind of important
0: yeah i think they're more like a wetland species really than a tree species it's just that they like hang out okay sort of like a few meters above the ground so they've got this tree frog name but yeah i'm no you know the removal okay. of forests and wetlands are kind of two sides of the same coin aren't they so yeah but yeah there are now some introduced populations some clandestine introductions have taken place reintroduced populations then yes yeah I suppose you could say that. There's one in the New Forest somewhere. I have been told where, but I've forgotten now. I'd like to go and climb over the wall at night and try and see them, but never have. And there's another one in Torquay, apparently. So there's a few Hmm. populations, which is kind of cool. And yeah, like I said, I chose this species. It's small and green and it it lives up in branches, but tiny. It's like a bright green frog with like a brown stripe down the side. The reason I chose this particular species is because we are actually in Greece for this episode. So the paper we're covering is by Schofield, Papa Chapman, Shah, Westover, Dixon and Katsalidis, 2022. More aggressive sea turtles win fights over foraging resources independent of body size and years of presence, published in Animal Behaviour. So we keep bringing it up Sorry. the aggro turtles. Turtles, Yeah,
1: yeah. well, it's not our fault all the papers are about turtles getting in fights
0: and getting into trouble. I they're th- either getting fed junk food and berries and grapes or they're beating each other up. Yeah, <laughs> honestly, I just think turtles are at their most interesting when they're battling each other. Like the rest of the time, they're so <laughs> sort of serene and, you know, like these kind of majestic, beautiful creatures that it's just not as interesting. I know, interesting. they do
1: look very calm. Just
0: floating through the water, don't they? Being in the presence of a turtle, it's almost like a meditative experience. Turtle combat. Yeah, until you're another turtle and you've pissed it off and suddenly they go mad battling each other. But yeah, so we're talking about a different species. Like in the past, we were talking about the green sea turtle. They were the ones eating squid from tourists in the Caribbean, as our American friends try grapes. and pronounce it. No, right? no, it's squid. You're thinking Berries. of the iguanas. I was going to let it go, but oh, you're it was confused. The iguanas yeah, that you were said it eating be, and getting yeah. You said iguana it, diabetes. Say it twice. I have to correct yeah. you. That was the iguanas. Yes, but yeah, yes. The sea turtles were eating squid, and they love squid. It makes them and they go crazy, it. and they were seeing that. Around the boats where the tourists were handing out squid, the turtles were frequently fighting, despite that being considered quite a rare behaviour for them. But we're in a completely different place. We're in Greece and we're talking about a different species of sea turtle, the loggerhead sea turtle. Scientific name of this one is Coretta Caretta. And the name Caretta is a Latinized version of a French word, caret, which means turtle, tortoise, or sea turtle. So the name of this ah, turtle means turtle, turtle. means turtle turtle. <laughs> I love it. They are the turtle's turtle. And the common name... It makes sense. It makes sense. I mean, it's easy, right? Keep it simple. The common name... And they do
1: look like a classic turtle. Like, when you think of sea turtle, they kind of embody
0: what you think of.
1: Or at least what I think of.
0: Yes. In many ways, yes. I think they have a bit more of an edge to them than green sea turtles. For me, the archetype is the green sea turtle. But I prefer loggerheads. I just think they're cooler. I just think they're more badass generally because they eat more meats also when they're young when they're babies they're black which looks really really cool and they're kind of they have like sharp edges to their scutes whereas green sea turtles are just like super smooth they're a little bit more dangerous you know still adorable but also they got a little bit of an edge to them they got an edge to them yeah yeah that's kind of what we're talking about in this paper and the reason they're called loggerheads is because they have a big block like head which I also like The research that was being conducted here, these authors, they were actually doing surveys of the turtles over a reef in Zakynthos in Greece. And they were doing these surveys over this reef, monitoring the turtle populations over multiple years. And they were snorkeling and looking at the turtles. sounds magical. Sometimes they do aerial drone surveys, which is obviously, you know, you get to fly a drone, but you don't get to go swimming with turtles. So it's a bit of a toss up. And yeah, they were looking at how, These turtles eating these sponges on these reef, so they're eating like, you know, the like the type, I think it's a type of coral. Uh, It's hard when you're out of your lane. Wait. Is a coral... A sponge, isn't it? Is a sponge distinct from a coral?
1: I believe so, yeah. Okay, okay. I've been dealing with a lot of coral names lately. Oh, have you? a lot of sponge names.
0: Oh, okay, so they're different.
1: I do think that they are separate things. They're both animals, which is weird because they don't look like animals, but... uh, (laughs) I'm pretty sure you're wrong about that, but Okay. No jokes. No, you're right. You're right, <laughs> <laughs> mate. Don't even go down that rabbit hole. There are there are nightmarish things down those
0: categories in
1: terms of putting labels on them.
0: Yeah, like but when, I think sponges are sponges. When one billion animals team up to become one big animal, it's just a bit confusing, really, isn't it? It
1: kind of defies all our previous ways of labeling individuals because the concept of an individual kind of goes out the window. Mm yeah yeah uh, don't start talking to me about slime molds uh uh-uh. no dice
0: don't worry i won't so we're on this reef <laughs> and we're doing the snorkel surveys and they're looking at the loggerheads and they're looking at them swimming around on the reef most of the turtles were immature loggerheads so you've got all these immature loggerheads they're feeling likely <laughs> They're swimming around over the reefs. They're eating sponges. And what they generally noticed was that there was like quite low overlap over where they were foraging. So each turtle would kind of have its own little zone. And if one of the turtles actually made the mistake of crossing over into another turtle's sponge (laughs) patch, It's going to go down. (laughs) So rather than, you know, sometimes when animals fight, they have this kind of like period of observationally checking each other we've seen this with like chameleons and stuff and sometimes just sort of casting an eye over your foe is enough to dissuade one of the two parties in the fight to actually leave it alone and not to fight but these turtles they completely skip that phase generally speaking as soon as they saw another turtle straight in there chasing it biting it yeah it got really really heated really really fast is what these research was it like 50 percent of
1: their interactions escalated to turtle biting, wasn't it? That's hardcore. That is a lot. Was it 50% or was it 70? That I've got two percentages in my mind. One's for... I've got to double check now. We can assure- No, it's 70% involved aggression. Around 50% went straight to physical aggression.
0: Yeah, which is unusual. Normally, you know, there's normally a little bit of posturing and stuff in animal combat, but these things are just, like, ready for it. They're obviously perceiving sponges to be quite a valuable resource they want to protect. And, um, yeah the authors of this paper were kind of keen to find out if there was any kind of pattern to who was winning these agonistic encounters. So like, is it the biggest turtles that win? Is it the turtles who've kind of like been around the longest who win? And what they found was that no, it's neither of these things. What determines which turtles win is just the individual turtles. Some of the turtles are just pre-programmed to be Aggressive little monsters and they will win fights in most encounters simply seemingly because they're most up for it.
1: Yeah. It was like a <laughs> pure determination. Yeah, it's like They're telling me it's sort of an aggression level, right? Is primary predictor of success. Yeah. What is it?
0: Strike first, strike hard.
1: Yeah. Most bites was their proxy, wasn't it? Higher number of bites than their opponent. Was a predictor <laughs> of success.
0: All you have to do to be a successful turtle is be crazily aggressive and just go for it straight away with the biting, and you'll usually win. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I suppose the thing is in turtle fights as well. You have this dynamic where it's quite hard for you to both bite each other at the same time because of the way you're kind of navigating this three-dimensional watery world. You tend to have a... I would imagine you you tend to have a situation where, like, one is chasing and one is running most times. Because if somebody's pecking at your fins, you're going to want to try and get out of there. You maybe don't want to turn tail and and bite them back. Maybe it's better to just either be the aggressor or just get out of there. I could see a situation where it's just easier to attack. So... That
1: would potentially benefit your first striker in that
0: case. Yeah, Mm. Yeah, because once you're being bitten, you don't want to get a chunk out of your fin.
1: But they were saying the resident of the patch tended to have a better chance
0: at winning. But it was less of an influence than their willingness to strike, right?
1: I don't know. They just give p-values, Oh, so I can't judge that.
0: (laughs) Fair. Unless they're in the table. Are they in a table? But there was some influence of having already been in the location because I was under the impression that was not such a big deal. But that is commonly in studies of animal fighting, especially remember we did the stuff on the dart frogs. Like if you are in a place, they kind of have this almost like a sense of ownership over it where if they've been there for a while, they're more willing to defend it because they seem to perceive it as theirs.
1: But the years at sight wasn't a
0: significant driver. Oh, okay, good. That's what I thought. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, there's the thing. Residency is different from years at site. So it's, years at site wasn't significant, but residency was. So being there a longer time didn't help, but if you were there first, it did help. On the individual patch. Yeah. Yes. And it looks like, absolutely right, bites per day t- by turtle seem to be a much bigger deal than the residency, but the residency did help.
0: Hmm. I have to say, this paper probably. I can't remember seeing photos I've enjoyed as much in a paper for a long time. Right? There's one. (laughs) There's this beautiful close-up shot of a loggerhead sea turtle nibbling on a sponge to show you what they're getting up to, and then there's like that's very cute. There's a couple of pictures of like one turtle attacking another turtle with sort of one leaving the scene. One of them is actually actively biting. But like the way the The photos, the active
1: bite picture is amazing. Yeah, it's beautifully framed. You've got rule of thirds in play. It's got wonderful depth to it. Yeah. It's absolutely bang and like, on. the face of the Brilliant turtle that's being
0: shot. bitten, you can just see it's almost like concerned expression coming to the front of the <laughs> shot. It's amazing. And the one, the photo where there's just like two turtles casually grazing on sponges, and then you've got like the sunbeams coming down through the water and just like... <laughs> it's idyllic. Honestly, like lighting them. It's just like perfection. Beautiful.
1: Yeah. It's a very dramatic contrast between these, this tranquil sponge eating and the uh,
0: intense bite bout yeah that these turtles are undertaking as well it's wild yeah it's wild and only four so only four percent of interactions were resolved during the sort of passive look at each other phase which is really really low for like reptile interactions so many times things just don't come to blows but yeah right turtles are just aggy
1: well that or they don't have the sort of phenotype the physical traits that you might need to show strength without a fight yeah, you're right. right. Yeah. So we're not talking like an enolus lizard or something that's going to do some dewlap flaps or another type of lizard doing some sort of
0: push-ups. Yeah, or like the... To some sort of display, you know? Yeah, like those um, veiled chameleons, right? Like, it was usually the yeah, bigger ones exactly. that won. And if you, like, puff yourself out and can show the best colours, you the other animal can see that you're the strongest. Whereas right, turtles, as we see, the most key thing is to be aggressive. And I suppose if you are in right. the water... Being heavier and bigger is obviously still going to be a bit of an advantage, but actually you're not really able to bring your full weight as... to bear. You right. might actually be less manoeuvrable right. as a bigger turtle than a smaller turtle. So. Well, how good is turtle eyesight? I don't know, mate, to be honest. I would imagine it's at least Because I wonder the right. if that
1: would play a role. You know, you're underwater, you have a lot of distortion from being in the water, potentially. And if their eyesight is not as good, then being able to size up another individual is going to be less effective, right? Mm. So maybe it's that sort of lends itself to this aggression level being such a winner because you're not going to spend the time sort of sizing each other up because it's just simply not that accurate. Mm -hmm. And if you can just power through it with determination, then that's going to be more important.
0: I wonder if there is like a general broad correlation between having poor eyesight and being aggro. Like the only other animal I can think of is a rhino. And they,
1: I know well exactly. That's where your mind goes, doesn't it? Rhino, so poor are easily spooked. <laughs> yeah. Therefore, going to respond happily attack in such a way because of uncertainty, and that's just, you know, they don't need to worry about it in that way. Yeah,
0: rhinos can't see happily going go to bat against the tractor. Not worried.
1: I mean, I'm not even entirely positive that that's not just an urban myth for like. A- <laughs> I don't know enough about rhinos. Uh,
0: I only know about them from watching that Animal Park documentary about Longleat Safari Park. And like whenever they had to move them, they had this like <laughs> specially adapted gigantic tractor with a massive snowplow on it. Because like it was the only thing the rhinos couldn't <laughs> destroy. <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, rhinos. <laughs> so silly. Uh, cool. Well, yeah. So basically the long and short of it is that basically the most dominant turtle in agonistic encounters where they're fighting is usually the most aggressive, not the largest or the longest resident of the site across years, but they would defend if they'd been in a patch for a bit, they were more likely to defend.
1: Right. If they were already at a patch, yeah. Yeah. Potential change in how likely they were to shift to aggression, breeding season, non-breeding season, which might have something to do with not wanting to waste energy when it comes to sort of females getting ready to lay eggs and things along those lines. But, um, you know, it's not like they showed zero aggression during that time. (laughs) Yeah, can still get them riled up. I think so,
0: yeah. Yeah, right on. But yeah, nice study. I I like reading about turtles being aggressive. I like challenging the status quo that they're serene creatures. They're little monsters, just like every other animal. So, have you got anything else about turtles, Ben? I've got nothing else about turtles. Okay. But I I do have something else. Oh, we got some any other business from Ben here.
1: I have a tiny bit of any other business, just because this is slightly weird and different to what we talk about i want to this is the intersection of sort of herpetology and archaeology
0: i guess it is herpetoarchaeology
1: herpetoarchaeology the crawling (laughs) archaeologist yeah so there's a method that the british museum use to look inside of objects and it's not x-ray and stuff like that because sometimes the objects are made out of Things that x-rays don't get through, like certain metals, like lead. So they have this method called neuron tomography. I don't know how it works, but you can see through through metals and stuff. (laughs) And they've applied this to these Egyptian tiny coffins, tiny coffins from Egypt, about two and a half thousand years old. And these tiny coffins have been found to have lizard bones inside. They're tiny, tiny lizard coffins. What was the species? What was the genus? I think it was Melina. Was that what it was? These little... Messalina. Messalina lizards. Were found in these little votive-esque metal coffins. And they sort of... These little coffins are ranging from, what, like 5 centimeters to 25 Little decorative boxes.
0: Wow. Wait, so yeah, they're little wool lizards. They have little lizards buried alongside side people. Did they give any indication of the kind of, um, like, I guess, meaning of these lizards to the Egyptians? Do they know anything about that? The
1: suggestion is that they're representations or depictions of certain gods. So there was a quote in the article I was reading, that lizards, snakes and eels tend to be connected to solar and creator gods atom and atom-ra specifically was what the quote was saying so you combine depictions of gods with metallic objects with metallic objects having some sort of magical property including lead (laughs) which is always a bit sort of questionable when you when you hear about people who may not have been aware of the long-term health implications wow. of lead exposure drinking I mean, yeah. lead having ma-
0: <laughs> having magical properties even in like the last hundred years we discovered that lead's toxic right it's not even
1: yeah well there's always been that thing of before people were like yeah there's lead in the atmosphere there's always been lead in the atmosphere of course and then later working out oh wait a second no the normal amount of lead in the atmosphere is zero <laughs>
0: Whoops! <laughs> yeah, because it was a makeup and all sorts, wasn't it? It's was bad for you. Oh my god! Drinking bites. it was everywhere. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. They don't exactly know how the lizards got in the boxes in terms of whether they were sacrifices or they were pets of person that was buried with them or something along those lines. That's not really clear. But it was just cool seeing lizards being such a integral part to a bit of Egyptian history yeah, it's and really neat. Uh, finding them probably relatively unexpectedly in these little lizard coffins yeah some of them are decorated with like snakes and things so maybe you'd imagine okay snake on the outside snake on the
0: inside or something but um still cool well i hope the lizards were able to appreciate how noble their deaths were probably probably not (laughs) you're going in the box you're special (laughs) it's like all right (laughs) decent yeah who knows that's very interesting either way yeah neat very neat so i've got one other piece of any other business as well so you might remember a few weeks ago now we did the paper on burmese pythons the baby burmese pythons in the everglades the introduced invasive population radio track 19 individuals they were getting munched well we knew that 19 of them got yes yes, yes, yes. well as it turns out stephen bredin is a listener of our podcast and he was one of the technicians who worked on that project and actually did the radio tracking and i've met Stephen and his girlfriend hayley turner because they came to wales while they were doing like a euro trip and we actually met up for some beers they're legends and uh Steven has messaged me i was hoping to play the voice note on here but like what's that what was like not about that so it didn't work in the end but yeah basically he told us that all 19 of the tracked pythons died. So they didn't explicitly mention it in the paper, but it was all of them that died. And apparently that is forthcoming in a publication that will be out at some point. There's gonna be a bit more detail about that. And um Steven was actually the person who discovered some of the snakes having been eaten by alligators. He was also the person who discovered the one which was eaten by the cotton mouth. He was part of the team that took the X-ray. So yeah, it's just really interesting to hear about. But yeah, crucially, I think all of the ones they tracked died because they didn't mention it explicitly in the paper and we weren't sure. But yeah, they all got munched. And he did say that like part of that might have been due to the fact that they'd spent a bit of time in captivity from hatchlings so they
1: were sort of naive to the possibly
0: the terrors
1: of the florida everglades but yeah
0: they all got munched which is crazy he also said that they were in an area Hmm. where like a lot of canals like some of the Everglades isn't quite so canal heavy and he said that might have contributed because they think it's like a really high alligator area ah
1: okay But, but yeah pretty wild it's always a trick with these sorts of studies—is understanding how far the findings can really be pushed, the sort of generalizability of it, right? Because you're always going to have pe- peculiarities about a specific study site or or something. So it's that's always a a difficult thing to overcome, or even just
0: gauge yeah. a lot of the time. It's hard enough to generalize across individuals within a study site, let alone yeah extrapolate your individuals from one place to another place. Feels a bit yeah feels a bit optimistic. Yeah yeah good stuff but yeah thank you very much Stephen really interesting to hear all about the alligator tracking and again yeah congratulations to all the offers so um yeah you got any more any other business nope, nope. I just had my little bit about coffin lizards excellent okay cool well um yeah I think that pretty much is it for this episode and if you want to get in touch with us you can herphighlights at gmail.com As per usual, thanks to all the patrons. Link in the show notes if you want to do that. And, yeah, you can get in touch with us. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. We're still on Facebook. And, yeah, thank you for listening. Thanks for listening.